Los Angeles and to the rest of you guys across the nation. You are now tuned in to Purposely Awakened Radio and I am your host, Naomi Kay. Alright, so last week we tuned you guys into the entertainment and create into the creative side of things with vocalist Lenita Smith. And I hope Lenita Smith inspired, you know, you guys to tap into your creative side. But this week, since since this week we have a deeper subject. So last week was last week was more fun. This week is gonna make you think a little bit. And so this week we have a this week our guest is gonna talk about mental illness. And so as many as as many of you guys know, mental illness has been taboo in our in our community, especially the black community. Um, it's like people don't want to talk about mental illness. You know, they'll they'll address you know the issues of violence in our community, or the the issues of um, the unemployment in our community, or they'll they'll address just about any issue in our community except for mental illness. It's like mental illness is such a taboo topic that people are scared to talk about mental illness. It's like they have a fear of those who battle with it because they don't understand it. So today I have an author who who has been dealing with mental illness herself and she will hopefully get you guys to understand it a little bit deeper. So Lisa, Lisa Spiro has endured more pain and loss in her life than anyone should be expected to. She released her first book, His Eye is on the Sparrow, in 2015, where she, re, re, where she reveals the challenges she, had, she has faced in stunning detail. Lisa is a divorced mother of two wonderful children and she currently lives in Columbus, Ohio. She currently works as clerical support for a local lighting company. And throughout her life, she's learned the hard way that if you stay where you are in life, you'll never reach your full potential, which is so true. Cause you know, whenever we all have dreams and goals and visions, but we know if we stay stagnant, we're never gonna get. We're never gonna achieve that goal that we have. So, on Lisa's journey to self-love and, ex- and acceptance has been a hard-fought battle, and one she is led by God to share with her readers. With her first autobiography, "His Eye Is on the Sparrow," Lisa hopes to shed some light on the subject of mental illness in this country and the process of healing. Although this is not Lisa's first project, it will certainly not be her last. And she recently released her second book in February, this this past February. And she is currently working on books three, four, and five, as well as some other projects that she'll talk about when she comes on. So without further ado, I would like to introduce everybody to Lisa's Lisa's Lisa Spiral. All right, so, so I just have a few questions. So the first okay. one, is, the first one is growing up. 
I know you spend a great deal in foster care and in mental institutions. So can you go into mm-hmm. detail on like how how it impacted you growing up and then how it shaped who you are today? Um, I think that growing up, I mean, growing that's a, that's the odd part is I was with my mom and my family until I was a teenager. So mm-hmm. it's not like I didn't know them. It's not like. Um, you know, I had all of these issues, and I was just some kid who was bouncing through the system. I was actually a teenager, like 14, 15, when I was going through um, foster care and psychiatric all at the same time. So it made it, it made those years as a teenager even even harder than they normally would be or a teenager, you know, you're you're going through puberty, your body is changing, you yeah. know, you've got all of these different things going, you know, going on, you're going into high school, and now you, you throw in, I'm bouncing around the county, going from different, you know, foster care placements, group home, whatever, and I'm in and out of psychiatric as well. Okay. So it was... It was a lot. It it was really a lot um, to deal with at that time. I think that I can look back over that time, and, and I'm grateful because when I have friends who come to me and say, this is what's going on with my child, what do I do? They don't know the resources. So I can say, you know, try this place, or, you know, some people are opposed to medication. I'm not because I'm on medication, and for me personally, that is what keeps me balanced. Got you. And then, what, and then why is mental illness awareness important in our community? Kind of like oftentimes in our community, like, it's almost kind of like taboo, like nobody wants to talk about it. Like, why should we start talking about it more? You know, it, it is a huge taboo in our community about mental illness. It's more acceptable to talk about Ray Ray and Pookie and you know, who's doing the bit. Right. Crazy Aunt Lisa, we got locked in the back room or, you know, in a, in the attic somewhere. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to have those discussions. People fear what they don't understand. We understand putting money on Ray Ray books and going to go see Pookie. We understand right. that. Right. But we don't understand what makes at least a cuckoo. We, we don't get that. So people honestly fear what they don't understand. And there's there's no cure. You know, um, when we talk about cancer, diabetes, heart problems, things of that nature, now cancer was, I mean, that was taboo for a long time. But if somebody says, I need to go to the doctor because my, my sugar is low, or I need my insulin, somebody to take you to go get that. There's no problem with that. But if I say I need to go talk to my psychiatrist or pick up my, my happy pills, people will shy away and turn in the other direction and act like they don't know me. Right. Um, why? I don't know. It's always been like that. It's embarrassing. Nobody wants to admit it. And I think that a lot of things that, a lot of the anger and the hurt and the misplaced blame, and 
I think we have a lot of health issues as a result of dealing, not dealing with this. We stuff our emotions down and pretend that mental illness just does not exist, that black people do not commit suicide, that black people are not depressed and have other mental health issues. When in reality, we do have them. Right. Our white counterparts have no problem taking a mental health day, telling you they need some time off, they're going to the hospital, I'm going to go pick up my medication, whatever the case may be. But us, if we say we're on medication, we're talked about even more, not just with friends and colleagues, but within our own family. So some people are getting help in secret, and that adds to it. Right. Got you. And then, like, how like, what's your advice to, like, how like how can, like, we as, like, either, like, brothers, sisters, or, just, like, relatives, friends, how, like, how, how can we better support, like, a loved one that's going through mental illness? What, for, for me, I can only speak for me. And, okay. uh, you know, when people come to me and ask, you know, what can I do, um, be real. You have to be honest. Get into, whether it's group therapy whether it's um, one-on-one, individual therapy, whatever. If you feel that there's a problem, go get help. It doesn't matter what anybody has to say. You know how you're feeling. You know, that's like if you're having a heart attack, only you know what it feels like. You can tell somebody what it's feeling like, but you know when you need to go to the doctor, call squad, EMS, whatever it is. But that's the thing about it is if you feel that you need help, Go get that help. Go talk to somebody. If, if somebody you're talking to isn't listening, go find the next person. If that person, find the next person until you find somebody who is going to listen to you. And that's the thing is being honest. If you're going and talking to someone but you're not being honest, they can't give you an honest um, plan. You know, you're personally involved in your treatment plan now, whereas in the days of old, they created it for you. You're expected to follow it in case to rah, to rah, and they send you out the door. But now you are a part of your treatment plan. I have no problem saying, this doesn't work for me. I'm taking my meds, but this isn't working for me. That's actually happened to me where I was taking the meds like I was supposed to. Are you taking meds? Are you taking meds? Are you taking meds? And I was. But I I had an adverse reaction to them, and it almost killed me and caused me to really go out of character, blow up. Um, the police had to come and get me. Oh, and crazy. on the flip side of the same coin, uh, I had just gotten out of the hospital after being an inpatient for two and a half weeks. So after the police came and got me, they took me back to the hospital, um, the hospital that I was in. And I kept saying something is wrong and no one was listening to me. Something is wrong. No one was listening to me. And finally, when I had the first seizure, they realized something is wrong. She was trying to tell us that nobody understood. You know your body better than you do or than anyone else does. So if you're feeling that something is wrong and this isn't helping even after you've given it a chance to work, you're not going to just take medications and it's going to work overnight. You have to give it a minimum of 30 days to get in your system good. 
And if at that point it's still not working, then you need to talk to somebody until they listen because it almost killed me. And that's the thing. Talk to somebody. Have someone, a, a good support system, a good network, safety net. All of those things need to be in place because when life gets too much, I have to go to my safety net. And my safety net can be, I'm a big kid, so <laughs> coloring, you know, um, watching cartoons, comedies. Now, it don't matter that I'm 47 years old. My kids are grown. I have a grandson who's 11 months old. It doesn't matter. I have my own coloring books, my own crayons, my own markers. <laughs> and some days I will go to McDonald's and get the Happy Meal that I want and sit my happy ass down, I mean tail down, <laughs> and color in my coloring book and eat crayons and have a juice box, and I'm happy. Right. I'm feeding my inner child, you know, and some of us are so damaged and so bruised from our childhood. You know, I was looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces because I didn't get what I needed from my mom from my parents and my step-parents. So I'm out here looking for love and all the wrong faces, and love almost killed me, or my quest for love, I should say. So it's about being honest. It's about saying what's really on your mind and in your head and in your heart to your healthcare professional or mental health professional. Now, healthcare professionals, can refer you if you don't know where to start. But there is no shame in getting help. All it takes is to reach out to be able to find someone. Got you. I agree. And then speaking of being honest, I don't like a I don't like a lot of honesty. Like people can like turn to literature, write literature. So I know you also recently released your your first book, His Eyes on the Sparrow. But what can the listeners and readers expect from it? I am very candid and very open about my life as a mentally ill woman. And I tell about the ups and the downs, which is more downs. And, you know, multiple miscarriages, my relationship with my mom, um, the fact that I am a mother, a single mother of two children, um, my son was still um, a minor when that book came out. So with that book, I was just raw. I mean, I just, you know, you can feel what I went through. I talk about my suicide attempts. I talk about my miscarriages. It's um, because I'm everyday people. I wrote a book, but I'm not cured. Am I getting help? Yes, I am, but I still need help. You know, I still have to have those safety plans in place and a good network of people who love you and care about you through it all is really what makes this easier. Not easy, easier when you know that, you know, you're having an episode but you have people who are right there with you. They're not going to judge you. And being judged while you're going through this, it, it, it makes it worse. And you, you know, you can shut down even more. So I got you. And then, are you working on any other projects or any other books? My second book came out in February, 
which is called Blindsided and Ambushed. And um, it is a story about Mercer's deep faith after a childhood friend tried to kill me in 2011. So it's an 18-month journey. Um, It's got all the elements there. It's got death. It's got finding love. It has... um, domestic violence and finding love. It's just, it has all of this. And through, you know, having cancer and having this child to take care of through all of this and what am I going to do and, you know, how am I going to take care of this child and um, and how my baby just, he didn't want to, he didn't want to leave. He stayed with me through everything. So um, I'm writing books three, four, and five now, which, um, <laughs> it's really interesting, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Some days I can do all three at the same time and just flip between the pages, and then other days it's like, wait, mm-mm, got to do one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> got you. And I know you said the second book is also about it's the belly cancer too. So are you, yeah. So you're a cancer survivor as well, right? I I am a cancer survivor. Yes. Cool. So, like, what's like, what's some advice that you can give to those who are going through like cancer treatments right now? Like, what's your advice to them on like how to keep their spirits set? Because they have like a few affiliates that are going through their battling cancer. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm gonna be honest. That was one of the hardest things in my life to deal with because um, I had two rounds of it, and the second time I thought I was going to die. My family thought I was going to die. They were preparing my kids like, you know, it was these were behind-the-scenes conversations that me and my mother had last year, um, and we just didn't, nobody would say it in front of me, but, you know, everybody was like, you look like you were at death's door, and there were days that all, I could do was just pray. There were a couple of times that I thought that my son was going to come home from school and I was going to be dead in my recliner. So all I could do was just pray and hallelujah. And when I would wake up, um, I would thank God and I would just hallelujah my way. And some days that's all you can say. And when you don't know the words to pray and the words to say and what to do, hallelujah, your way through the day. And that's what I do a lot of times even now. I get so depressed. It takes every ounce of strength I have in me to say a hallelujah. And I can't even say it like that. I might have to sound it out syllable by syllable. You know, you do what you have to do. But um, I didn't. I'm the kind of person when I'm sick, I just say to myself, don't keep asking me how you feel. Don't, you know, look at me like you're scared because that's going to scare me too because I thought I was okay. I didn't realize I looked as bad as I looked. I watched cartoons. I watched things that made me feel good. And I just prayed. I prayed, and I had people that were praying for me. I didn't know that at the time. But I only wanted happy people around me. Life is filled with so much negativity that you can get that anywhere. All you have to do is turn the TV on or go to Facebook. I love Facebook, but it can be very negative sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And I had to have, you know, it really can be. It can be very overwhelming. 
and I just had to be around good, happy people, people who were just happy that I'm still here with them. I didn't realize they were happy. I was. I, mean, I lived another day. <laughs> they were just happy to see me or happy to talk to me. I didn't realize it was like, you know, honey, you were knocking at death's door. I mean, I'm in and out of the hospital, quadrants, you know, ER visit. I mean, it was just, it was a nightmare. Doctor poked and prodded on it. It was too much. And I just, things that just, you could let your hair down, you know, per se, and relax, and you know that this person is hugging me because they are genuinely happy to see me, whether it's glad they didn't, you know, that I didn't go during the course of the night or whatever, you know, and you need people that are going to make you laugh. You know, I'll hold me enough that I'll send an email to a celebrity. Yeah. Maybe they'll respond, maybe they won't. But you know what, I can honestly say I tried. You know, you see all the time where, oh, yeah, so-and-so went and visited such-and-such. They're an everyday person that got visited by a celebrity. Who doesn't want something like that, especially when you're not at your best? Gotcha. And I know you said you're working on books three, 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 four, five. So, like, what else is next for you? Do you have, like, any speaking engagements, book signings? No, I don't have any speaking engagements. Um, I really want some, though, but I haven't been able to figure out how to break into that arena yet. Um, We're trying to put together a book signing now. Um, I've been, I haven't been feeling well, um, and I've been doing, my father just died a year ago of cancer, and out of 12 kids, I'm the only one that's had cancer, so I've been doing um, a lot of cancer screenings again and, um, you know, just dealing with all of that. So, but right now, everything is good, and we're just in the planning stages trying to um, figure out what direction do we want to (laughs) go. So, um, you know, and it's a lot of fun trying to plan the parties and, book releases, and oh, what about here now? Well, what about there? Oh, maybe. I would like to tour. I would like to travel and do book signings. So those are all things that I, I would like to do. Got you. And then are, are you on social media? How can people how can people keep in touch with you and, and purchase your I, I am on social media. I am Lisa Y. Sparrow Author on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Let me see, what is that one? At Lisa Sparrow 41. And my book can be found on Amazon. Cool. Awesome. And then before we go, is there any advice that you want to leave the listeners with or anything that you feel they should know either about you or about, like, your testimony or about your books? You know what? I get two things. I get people that ask me all the time what to do um, because they want to write a book. You know, what should they do? What should they do? And I say just write. Don't worry about what it looks like in the beginning. Just write. Just write whatever's on your mind. That's what a good editor is for. But then, you know, you write it and then you always go back and you edit it as you go along. You see something that you forgot to say because you were just in the moment. You were flowing. And it happens all the time. And sometimes what I do is I get the main points out and then I go back and fill everything out. But 
if you think that you need help or you know that you need help, go get it. You know, nobody's going to look at you sideways or twisted if you go get cancer screening, the diabetes, heart condition, anything else looked at. Nobody should look at you because you're getting help for any type of mental health. And what people need to know is that the medical community is now looking at mental illnesses as a legitimate medical issue. Get help. If you need help trying to find resources in your area, email me, lisasparrow41 at gmail.com. I live in Columbus, Ohio, but I will be more than happy to Google resources wherever somebody else is. Let's let's do this together. You're not in this fight alone. There is a whole network of people that are available. There are support groups. There are support systems. You don't have to do this by yourself. I thought I did. I didn't know that there were other people like me. Growing up, it, I was the only one because it was something that was never talked about. You didn't do anything wrong, and it's okay to get help. Right, I agree. Thank, yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for like bringing more aware, more aware awareness to mental illness, and then of course, like introducing us to your to your books. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, no problem. And then once everything is published, I'll I'll, send, I'll shoot you a link to everything too. Okay, thank you. All right, no problem. All right, thank you. You have a blessed one. You too. Thank you, sweetie. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's segment with Lisa Spar- Sparrow, and I hope, I hope that you guys were enlightened and ins- inspired and received some more information about mental illness as well as um, cancer that you guys didn't know about before. So next next week we'll have, you know, another guest. Of course, I'm not going to say who yet. Leave that as a surprise. But it will probably even be another, be another deeper and inspirational um, individual. So I hope you, you all have a great evening, great night, great morning. I don't know if you guys are listening to this um, after work or if you're, if you're going to chime in the next day. So yes, yeah, so have a great day and I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.